Hey everyone, it's Mike Rickheim. Thanks for joining us again for another episode of the Getting to Know podcast. Today I'm joined by our newish Chief Financial Officer, one Paul DeSantis. Paul, thank you for joining us on the Getting to Know podcast. Mike, great to be here. It's great to have you. I've enjoyed working with you so far. We'll get right to it. The only thing that I um, have found about you that I'm not terribly uh, fond of is the place at which you matriculated for business school. Can you tell us about your educational background? Sure. Yep. I, uh, I went to Michigan, go blue, mm. for business school. Nobody's so, perfect. Yep. <laughs> so University of Michigan for business school, went to Georgetown for undergrad in, in yeah. D.C. You were a swimmer. Swimmer. at Georgetown University. They're right. at the same time, if I'm not mistaken, as Patrick Ewing. Yep, that's exactly right. He was friends with my roommate, so I've met him. Really? Mm-hmm. You, so you're rubbing elbows with that? I mean, they well, I, championship. I would rub that, his right? knee. Yeah, that was a national championship when I was there. Yeah, that that's was right. a lot of fun. So you made your way to Georgetown from where? Where'd you grow Detroit. up? Detroit. Detroit. Right, like Detroit, Rock City, like in the Motor City or suburbs or? We started in Detroit and moved to the suburbs. Gotcha. So from there to Georgetown, first gig is back in Michigan, right? At General Motors. At General yep. Motors. So yep. t- what, what was that first role like? What were you doing? I was repossessing cars. As a finance person? They were paying for my MBA at Michigan. Okay. And uh, I was repossessing cars. You're repossessing cars yep. for what, what? GMAC. GMAC. The division. Yep. The finance division. So was that like an intimidating type of job? Is that how you got to be so it, tough like you are was, today? It uh, was, I'd been shot at with a gun. With a gun. With a gun. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, knives, chains. So wow. now nothing rattles me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it explains why you are fairly unflappable <laughs> in, in, in budget and forecast meetings. So this is, I believe, your fourth public company CFO job? Yep. And the last. And the last. And the best. And the best. I like that. That's a, that's a good attitude. What's your first couple of, of months been like uh, compared to how you expected things to be at Nina? Well, starting in the middle of the pandemic is is certainly interesting. But what I've been impressed with when I interviewed Everybody said to me, oh, you'll love the team. The people are great. And I kind of thought, well, who do you interview with where they say, oh, you're going to hate the team and the people are lousy, right? right? right. So, um, but it's turned out to be true. It's really, I think we have a great team here at Nina. And I mean that across the board. People I've met, you know, only met on Zoom or, you know, WebEx video conferences and the like. They're great. They really are. I think there's an attitude here that is special. And I like that. I would agree. There's a very, very optimistic view, very much a can-do attitude. Yeah, that, yeah exactly. Can-do, optimistic, really open. Yeah. I like that. How common is that you know, based on, I mean, again, you've done this several times, <laughs> right. right? It's the first time I've seen it. Really? <laughs> oh, for yeah. sure. It certainly yeah. wasn't this way where I, where I was before. Nor me. Yeah. Nor me. That's great. I mean, that's a huge strength. It's something that we should play to. It, I think it really is. We have a lot of opportunity here, a lot of opportunity. And that, when I was looking at where to go after my last company, I looked at the number of opportunities. And this is the one that felt to me like we've got a great opportunity to transform this business and really drive it. And so a great set of assets, great set of people, great balance sheet. So I, I liked it. That was really appealing. Yeah. So in the early days, are there any wins that you would point to that you've seen across the organization, whether it's within your, your areas of responsibility or otherwise, that you would, you would be proud of? 
I think that the way this company has responded to the virus and what it's done to our business has been incredible. Absolutely incredible. I mean, you know, we're down 35% on the top line in the quarter. That's a lot. That's a lot to be down. And it hasn't been easy. These responses haven't been easy. Um, but we've really stepped up to the plate as a team and responded. And I think that's been really one of the, well, the biggest positive so far for me. What's your level of optimism in terms of, you know, where we are today, where we're headed, you know, assuming we don't have a big, uh, a, a big outbreak again, where, where's, where's your head? I think my head is that we, uh, we are going to unlock growth at the company like we haven't seen in a while. And I think we'll unlock it either through our balance sheet, through innovation, through customer relationships. Uh, when I say through the balance sheet, I mean by buying other companies. But one way or another, I think we are going to unlock growth here. And that is, that's what makes everything a lot more fun. Tell us about your family, your wife, and you've got a son and a daughter, right? Yep. Tell, yep. tell us about them. So I have a son in Philadelphia. He's uh, 26. Notre Dame grad? Notre Dame grad. Yeah. Yep. Went to Notre Dame. So that's been tough to reconcile as yeah. a Michigan. Michigan. Uh, and then my daughter just graduated from Clemson. So now we've got Notre Dame, Clemson, and Michigan. So uh, really, in terms of the football hierarchy, we are pretty much covered. Yeah. Michigan just needs to win one game a year. Yeah, that's yeah. it. One well, in, in fairness, they have only done that like once since my 16-year-old <laughs> exactly. was born, which right. I'm, I'm right. happy about. Yeah, my I, son doesn't remember when yeah. Michigan was good. So I, that's, I, uh, I tell my kids every year, you know, at some point, Michigan might beat us. It's just not this freaking year. Nope. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. Year after year. Yeah. So I think we were on one of these Zoom calls or WebExes, and I saw a, uh, a Harrier member of the family run through too, right? So you got a That's dog right. running around? Dog, yep. Our princess, Dottie. The kids are basically gone, so yeah. now we just don't on her. Gotcha. So I know college football fans, sports fan more broadly. Um, yep. We like us. Even though I grew up in Detroit, we uh, – we're big uh, Cleveland Browns fans, so and we were there year after year after year in that empty stadium, way up on the top in our seats, looking down at the you, enjoying the game. You lived in Columbus, but worked a lot in uh, Cleveland. Yeah, for years. Yeah. Right? Yep. So I, I lived in Columbus uh, probably for twelve or thirteen years, and then ultimately moved to Cleveland. Baseball fan too. Yep. Love the Indians. Indians. So Indians, um, yep. So if you were. Um, you know, to trade in your Speedo and goggles for, for, for a bat. <laughs> Let's just say no more Speedos. No, no, no. Look, look. So if you were to, uh, to play for the tribe, uh, what would your walk-up song be? Oh, that's a good question. It wouldn't be the saxophone one that uh, that's constantly playing every time we went last year. But uh, Like Kenny G? Is that what you're talking about? No, um... Uh, of course, I'm drawing a complete blank on the player who had the saxophone song. That oh, it just it's constantly check that out. Yeah, I, his name will come to me at some point, and I'll blurt it out at exactly the wrong time. So I like country music, so I'd have to find the appropriate one. All right, all right, gotcha. So you're leaving uh, a Browns or Indians game. Yep. You're heading out for dinner. Yep. There's no pandemic. You get to choose. Three people to accompany you, living or dead, for what is supposed to be a fun, enjoyable, informative night for you. Who are your guests? I was hoping. I was hoping. That would be it. Oh, that is interesting. Obviously, my wife would be the next. 
and then my dad would probably be the yeah so we could you know? we could get you know three quarters of that we could right, right? and right. we could toast your toast your dad right <laughs> that would be it yep absolutely so what are you most tired of right now in your life in general at work or personally like what's driving you crazy besides the virus well that that, that counts I, I expected yeah, you that's might say that. that is frustrating it's on one hand okay it's a year of our lives but still it is i'm at my limit of of this but it you know it's what we have to do so the flip side of that what's the best thing that's happened to you recently say the last month or six weeks personally and professionally well professionally i'm loving it here yeah. I, I really am i'm having a great time here i really i am really enjoying it and it's surprising me because i'm you know after a few months it hasn't worn off yet yeah. so that that's yeah, really I, good i agree so the best thing that happened to you is making yeah, the decision to, that, to come here yeah yeah i think that's been really really good yep yep yeah. i like that a lot yeah so once this pandemic's over and you can, again, you can go out and have a drink or something like that, like what, what would be the first beverage that you would order walking into, uh, walking into your local watering hole? It depends on the season. Okay. So if it's cold and wintry, yeah. then it's going to be wine. If it's warm and summery, then it's going to be beer. Okay. So it depends on when this ends. It, but it'll be one of those two. Now that you've left the uh, north of the Mason-Dixon line, kind of vicinity will it count as cold down here in the same way it will yeah 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 because cold down here is it's only 80 degrees and 80 percent humidity yeah. so that i'm looking forward to that in november or whenever that happens going back to your early days in the motor city you still have anything from your childhood i still have my letter jacket from high school oh yeah yeah what high school uh, Detroit University of Detroit Jesuit High School. Okay. No, I still have that letter jacket. So, would you say you and Beth are more into TV shows or movies? TV, TV, TV. Any uh, anything that you're binging right now that you would recommend? Well, we just we just got finished binging uh, Schitt's Creek that I think you know everybody else, and then now we're watching this uh, Andrew, some comedian from the UK who's traveling the world with his dad. Um, I can't remember his name now, but. Uh, We've been binging that one. Yeah. So. What would you say your greatest strength is as a CFO? Um, it's also my greatest weakness. So it, it's a trade-off, but I don't sweat the details. Have you always been like that or have you learned it's better that way? Or I have always been like that. And so I remember taking a personality test one time and, and it said your attention to detail is fairly low. So... When I when I go somewhere and I try to learn something new, I have to focus a lot on yeah. on what's happening with the details. And then once I get the details and I understand how it works, then I can step back and just look for kind of high level monitoring things that yeah. tell me whether the details are in place or not. And that's work for me. So what would the Paul DeSantis Nina CFO say to the first time CFO version of Paul DeSantis? back, you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago. Wow, that's a good question. Thanks. That's really I just made question. that up. Did you really? Did. Oh, crap. Well, I, that's a tough one. I, I think he would say a, a couple things. Number one, your people are the ones that are the most important. So make sure you're there, have the right tools, and have the right level of motivation 
to get things done. I would say that would be the, the most important thing. You know, sometimes, especially in finance, you get promoted because you're really good at spreadsheets, right. which is fine, but at some point you're leading people. And so, you know, um, you have to do that. You have to understand that. So I think that would be the first thing. And then the second thing I would say is fight the right battles. You don't need to fight every single battle. You can just figure out which ones are the ones you need to fight. That's great advice. And look, for what it's worth, to your credit, um, you have demonstrated to me that you walk that that, that talk from uh, <laughs> I learned from, the lesson. From, uh, both the sweat and the, the small stuff thing, but also from um, you know investment in people. I've been uh, you know again as the HR guy, you want people to go about things the way that that, that you are, and I've, I've been impressed with how you do that. So you know that's 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 great. That's good advice to give to the first time CFO. Speaking of which, did you grow up wanting to be a CFO or a finance exec or an exec in general? I did. You did finance. Was, finance. Yeah. I, like uh, you're like what? I, 10 year old boy and you want to no 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 i was probably an astronaut at that point. okay but right. uh, when i was in in high school uh nah maybe it was just yeah in college i know i was a lifeguard and one of the people i worked with her dad worked at gmac and i started looking at general motors growing up in detroit and i thought wow that's really cool they that's like a big giant finance company and so i spent two summers as a summer intern Stop lifeguarding to do that. Hated every minute of yeah, it. Yeah. Looking out the window during the summer <laughs> at, at how beautiful it was. Yeah. But that's what I wanted to do. And so, pretty um, focused on that through your early career too. Like making, like consciously moving around to get the ops and the BPNA and the sales and marketing finance. Yes, but I studied marketing to begin with. So I was a marketing and international business undergraduate. So I didn't even go into finance until graduate school. But then otherwise, it's important to put, you know, for everybody, it's important to put different skills into your kind of skill set. And so I spent a lot of time trying to learn every single skill I could get on the finance side. In your experience, what's the biggest misconception about a finance organization? That it's all about the numbers. Because I really think that if we're doing things right. It's all about the insight into the business and insight are words, not numbers. Yeah. And so to me, it's how can we as efficiently and effectively as possible provide insight to the people running the business so that they can make decisions that drive the numbers. When we talk about standardization, simplification, and automation in accounting and finance, it's not because we don't want to do spreadsheets is that we don't want to do those for basic things. We want to be able to rely on our systems and processes to give us that stuff so that we can go that extra step to dig into it and say, what does this mean? So in your early assessment of where, where Nina is on that continuum, 10 being Nirvana, where, where would you say we are? I'd say we're a five or a six. So we have great tools. We have a great desire, but you know, we don't run Nina like one company. We run Nina like five companies. And so we have the U.S., we have Germany, we have Coldenhove, we have Redbridge, we have all these different pieces. And so if you want a clear line of sight across the business, it's two days and a spreadsheet to get that. And you just can't, in this environment, you can't run the business that way. It's got to be done quick, clear, standardized. And that means everybody's got to give something up one way or the other for us all to have a set of 
information and data that that we can use. So it sounds like an advertisement for what we're driving, but we're driving that. And so we'll see more of that. And based on what you were saying earlier, um, you're not being met with a ton of resistance? No, I don't think so. You know, people are always in their comfort zone. And I think this virus has pushed everybody out of their comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if there's one good thing that's come from this, it's let's think about how we can approach the business differently because we need to, we need to keep driving the business in this environment. Absolutely. I mean, there is that, uh, the element of getting comfortable being uncomfortable that I think certainly is, yeah. we've been forced That's into that. We've been forced into yeah, that. I agree. So is there anything in your career that you've ever wanted to do, but you were hesitant or, or dare I say afraid to jump into? I will say that before multiple assignments, I always had a thought of like, oh boy, am I going to be a disaster at this? But, you know, making mistakes and failing is like tuition, right? It's the price you pay to learn something. So we always learn more from our disasters. And I've had a a number of disasters and big mistakes. So I've had plenty of learning. I should probably point out to the Getting to Know podcast audience that one of Paul's greatest strengths in my mind is both his humor and willingness to be self-deprecating. But, but, I, but I hear what you're saying. Um, what, Paul, would you identify as your greatest kryptonite? Oh, I'd have to say potato chips. Potato chips of like all varieties? All varieties. All varieties, all flavors. All varieties, wavy, Pringles. in a can, <laughs> in a bag, you name it. None in the house, you're, none in the car. If you're constantly none walking, there. swimming, you look great. <laughs> I, I mean, we need a new optical plan. <laughs> I mean, just to be clear, I know this is this is a listening experience for this. Yeah, we need a new optical plan. That's for sure. So potato chips, potato chips. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Well, Paul, at the end of every Getting to Know podcast, we hit everyone with uh, three specific questions just to make sure that we're getting to know uh, very specific okay. things about people. So I'm going to hit you with those now. Go for it. Let's go for it. So number one. What is always in the Paul DeSantis, Beth DeSantis family refrigerator? Beer. What always? What, like different kinds well, of beer? My my wife likes um, Corona Light, so we always have that because because <laughs> I mean, you're a smart man, right? Exactly. Yeah, Whatever right. you want. Right. I like non-hoppy, darker beers. Okay. So. That's uh, whatever I can find. What would like? What would a brand name? Well, I'm a light guy, so yeah, no, I we have like Land Shark in there right now, and I'm trying to think what else we have in there. I like the um, Bell's uh, two two amber ale or two headed ale or whatever. That's a Kalamazoo, right? Yep, yep. We used to live by the brewery, so I uh, remember that. Yep. So amongst those that know you well, what would you say um, you are most famous for? Um, sense of humor, I hope. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. Probably that. Yeah. Great laugh, which I guess is kind of like the cousin of sense of humor. Yeah, right. Exactly. Big, big boisterous <laughs> laugh. You have a laugh that makes you kind of want to smile. Now I can't laugh. Thank no, you. I know. I've, I've, I've killed it. Down. You killed it. Killed it. <laughs> I need some beer and potato chips. <laughs> so, so outside of, um, this virus, I'm going to take that out okay. of uh, consideration yep. for your answer. What yep. are you most looking forward to right now? Traveling. Yeah, just anywhere. Like our son's in Philadelphia. We'd love to go see him. Yeah. And so that would be something I'd really like to do. Going out to dinner would be nice. Yeah. So we like doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Getting back to some kind of business as usual. 
or life as usual. Well, I, I can't believe I've been here all this time and I've never been to a mill. Yeah. I, I can't yes, believe it. I've never been anywhere where, you know, where the, the place where everything gets done. Right. And, you know, Jason Free was kind enough to take a video of the mill process for me so I could at least see it. Right. But, wow, that's nothing compared to being there. Yeah, that's right. Although, you know, thank you, Jason, for doing that. It was very helpful. Thank you, Jason. Um, assuming you're listening. So, I, mean, I, I mean, Jason Free's one of our biggest leaders. Right. Of course, he's, he's all over the getting no podcast. Right. Well, Paul, I've enjoyed having you on the Getting No podcast. Mike, it has been an absolute pleasure. And to all the listeners out there, if you're ever in Alpharetta someday when our restrictions are all lifted, feel free to stop in and visit and say hi, because I would like to get to know as many of you as I can. He means that too. So thanks again, Paul. And for our listeners out there, we'll hit you again in a couple of weeks. Bye.